Hey friends, today's episode is brought to you by Engageo, the leader in account-based marketing and sales with their all-in-one solution. Are you familiar with account-based marketing and sales? I mean, if you're selling to the enterprise, to big business, account-based strategies are the new wave of doing business. If you're selling to the enterprise, if you're dealing with multiple decision makers, if you need to close larger deals, then an account-based approach is a necessity. However, while there's a lot of talk out there about account-based marketing and sales, there's very little actionable advice on strategies and tactics you need to take. So our friends at Engageo asked dozens of independent sales and marketing experts, leaders in their fields, to contribute their recommendations about what you need to know to get started with it. And Engageo has compiled the collective wisdom of these experts into a most comprehensive guide that reveals everything you need to know about using account-based strategies to win bigger deals. It's called The Clear and Complete Guide to Account-Based Sales Development. It's free, and you need it. So head over to Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate and grab your copy today. That's Engageo.com forward slash Accelerate. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to Accelerate. Hi, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 448 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Also, please be sure to go to iTunes. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Now, are you in a sales slump? I mean, things just not happening the way you want? Then you need to visit accelerate.fm forward slash spark to find out how to restart the engine on your sales machine by downloading my step-by-step guide titled How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. It's based on my interviews with over 300 of the world's leading sales experts right on the show, and it's packed full of actionable advice that you can use right now. So go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark to download your free copy today. Joining me on the show today is Justin Gray. He is the co-founder and CEO of LeadMD. We're having a conversation about marketing and lead development trends in 2017. We're going to talk about how to avoid chasing the fads. And Justin talks about three words in particular that are very important to have as part of your overall program, quality, tribe, and process. Justin, so welcome to the show. Tell us a bit about you. Yeah, so uh, you, you said it. So founder and, and CEO, LeadMD, and then we've got a new venture that we're working on uh, called Six Bricks that I'm, I've also co-founded and, and playing the, the same role uh, as we try to take everything that we've learned and, uh, and come to market with on the LeadMD side and serve it up as curriculum and train the next generation of marketers. So those are really the two companies where I, I spend my day. So an online academy. Exactly. Train people how to do on marketing automation. Uh, that and really everything digital marketing and digital which, is marketing, say, okay. which, which, which is to say marketing these days. So. Right. So LeadMD is, as you said, sort of the preeminent Marketo professional Marketo. services firm, consulting firm. So is Six Bricks focused purely on Marketo or digital marketing in general? Yeah, digital marketing in general with, okay. uh, with branches into those very specific areas. We support Salesforce.com, Marketo, and then uh, as we mentioned, as we were chatting before, we announced Engageo last week. So we're excited to have them as a partner as well. As are we. They're a sponsor of this program. So awesome. nice. they get multiple mentions. Yeah. So um, you recently wrote an article about resolutions and trends in 2017. Yeah. And um, <laughs> you talked about we'll have our assumptions challenged. Um, but you talk about three words, quality, tribe, and process as sort of the focal point of what you're talking about. So let's start with quality. So what, what did you mean by quality as a trend to watch in 2017? Yeah, so, you know, as, as, as 
marketers look at the metrics and the ways that they're measured. It, it, we traditionally looked at eyeballs and, and clicks and so on, but I, I think even those high-level vanity metrics are getting harder and harder to achieve. And the reason being, everyone's doing it these days. I don't, mm. I don't see a lot of the debate around should I do content marketing. Now the debate is, you know, how much how much time can I really devote to building my own brand and my company's brand and putting together these you know awesome content pieces that that get attention that people right. want to share and they 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 want to promote. Uh, you know, your your customers and your prospects really become your promotion channel. Right. So. Quality drives all of that, and, and it's incredibly difficult to to keep up with. I, you know, on a weekly basis, I probably spend twenty plus hours assembling content, and we've got many other folks around here that that contribute to that as well. And everyone always asks, like, when do you when do you write that stuff? Like, you know, midnight. Um, <laughs> you, you, you've got to make time in the day that doesn't interfere with your your core output right. uh, to, to to spend the time and, and to create that quality. So for me, quality is you know it has legs into everything, but content's a, a good representation of such. All right, so quality is you just a great watchword here. Is tons of content. So. Most of it, as you might expect, we probably have normal Pareto distribution, 80-20, 80%, not very good, 20% quality. Mm-hmm. What really distinguishes quality content? Yeah, I think quality content, there's two aspects to that. Number one, it's does it, is it authentic? You know, when we put something together that is a best practice, is it really something that we've learned for the past decade and it is core, even if it's not something that the market is ready to, ready to hear. I think, you know, we're very focused on trying to, to remain true to this is what you have to do mm-hmm. to succeed with these items. And might, that might be, you know, mar- implementing marketing automation is a three to six month journey just to get plugged in into the stack. That's not a popular uh, that's not a popular stance. You know, right. everyone wants to hear that you're up and running in 30 days and here's the one secret and so on. So to me, you know, that, that authenticity is something you have to maintain. And then also I, I do believe now more than ever that authenticity translates into content that people want to share and they want to use. And that does add up to some of those metrics that we've traditionally tracked in terms of, you know, clicks and eyeballs and, and shares and, and form fills and so on. But those are most, almost ancillary. I think if you focus on the quality then you'll get, as a result, you know, th- those metrics that show it pollinating. So authenticity. I mean, this is, gosh, a buzzword, becoming a buzzword in itself, right? So, sure. <laughs> so how, do you, how do you make something authentic? I mean, this is, this is I think, is a challenge because it's sure. yeah, as most of it is, is bad that we see. It's not serving the company's purposes that's sending it out. And they're sending out in greater quantities than they ever used to before. Yep. <laughs> so... So if somebody's listening to this and saying, okay, well, I really want, I want to be authentic, and it, the voice carries over marketing, sales, whatever, uh, what do you see as the keys to authenticity? Yeah, and, and it's definitely not a checklist, but I think you know, the state of television right now is a great metaphor that I always refer to. Um, and the state of television right now is, is user testing. So mm-hmm. if you look at something like Amazon uh, Prime that's putting out one episode, no plans to, to pick that show up whatsoever, right. put it out in the universe, see how people respond to it, and then right. invest. That, to me, leads to bringing a greater level of authenticity into what you create. You know, you, you're, you're allowing the reader or the consumer to vote with their eyeballs and then say, this is what people are really resonating with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that, that is a good map for what is authentic. Um, obviously, you want to avoid a lot of that clickbait and so on. But if you look at you know, what TV is doing, they're not creating... You know, twenty-second spots. They're they're investing 
in a product that people are going to be able to sink their teeth into, say, yeah, I want more of this. Right. And then, you know, you're able to kind of uh, take that feedback and, and run with it. So I really do think that's a decent metaphor for how you determine if you're on the right path and, and if you're developing authentic content. But clickbait still works. It works in terms of the the eyeball on it, right? right. Like if, if you're only looking at that metric, I think that's where... But it's not you know, converting. The, right, exactly. No, no one's going to write a review on that piece of content that says five stars, awesome, <laughs> this kicked ass, right? Like they're going to say, this sucked, like you just wasted my time. And I think online gives us a greater ability to, to get that feedback as well. Right. So, you know, it, it, you, you have to, I guess, adding in there, you have to have a good feedback channel to determine... Is this something that your readers are passionate about, and, and are they sharing it? Because if you're just measuring that that initial uh, uh, eyeballs metric, then you're not going to be able to, to have a very good uh, insight. Right. So another issue with with quality, and we, I alluded to that earlier, quality over quantity, is that you talk about reference a benchmark report that 81% of marketers report sending out over a thousand pieces of automated email per month to their prospects, mm-hmm. and, and compound that by you know, have all these sales development platforms that enable <laughs> reps to do mail merges and so on. So sure. we could be seeing two thousand going out. Yeah, I, I think a thousand is a is a pretty low number, but we chose it because I think it is it's still a good benchmark of are you sending out a lot of email? You know, and I think frankly, a thousand emails is a lot of email in this day and age. Most of the campaigns we do for clients is frankly approaching a hundred thousand or or more emails. Mm-hmm. Cross, you know, a, a very calculated outreach, but a thousand is a lot of emails. You know, if you need to personalize a thousand emails and you need to write those on a daily basis, that would be very difficult. Um, and those aren't happening. Those are, those are happening in a mass format. Sure. But unless you have a really good view of who your customer is and you can bring in a lot of data about them and make that email highly personalized, chances are we're giving a very blanket message. So um, that whole quality versus quantity message is what we're hearing people want, but we're not really seeing the action come in line with that yet. Yeah, I mean, it sort of raises a question. I ask people this all the time. Is Certainly, my feeling is about sales technologies, as, as great as many of them are, is that when you look at industry reports in terms of Close rates, conversion rates, you know, percent of quotas make or percent of reps making quota, so on and so forth. It's like, you know, we're not getting the ROI on this technology. Now, either we're using it inappropriately, which may be possible, mm-hmm. or uh, yeah, it's not really doing what we need to have done. As I mean, do you see the same things are true of the Martech world? Yeah, absolutely. I think Martech and and sales enablement technology and uh, you, you ask a normal marketer how many pieces of technology are in your stack today, yeah, and, and we did this. We did a focus group, and it's over forty. Every single person start, and, and you're like forty. They start talking about everything that they're using. Oh, I right. use Bitly, and I use you know all these little tools add up. Um, so whether you're spending you know five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a month on it, or whether you're spending fifty bucks on a credit card you've got all of these different systems to manage and chances are you've got data in every single one of those systems that you need to present a, a personalized, hyper-personalized right. message out there to the marketplace. And and that that integration and process is something that we're, we're constantly seeing created after the purchase, mm-hmm. not prior. So it's, it's not a, it's not a, a, a thought out uh, purchase. It's, it's a gut reaction. You know, we need we need this. So and so has this. So and so said to buy this. Sure, it's easy. It's easy to buy. Really hard to make work. Yeah, and that, again, that's mirrored on the sales side. Where I think one survey was uh, talking to sales enablement VPs. Like, yeah, we've got five to seven apps in our sales stack. They go down to the sales floor. It's thirteen to fifteen or something. I mean, yeah. so yeah, they're using all the little things they can to try to get an edge. 
Yeah. So, and that, that's really what it is as well. Like it, you see this huge land grab. Oh, Instagram is great for, for marketers. Oh, let's get on Instagram. Right. And then you see that migration go away. Like the, the, the speed at which, yeah, the speed at which those markets are collapsing is more and more rapid than ever. Like you're no email, what had almost a decade run before we started seeing those major declines. Right. Nowadays, the declines happen in a month or maybe even a week. So for someone that is focused on sending a lot of email, though, what, what is the key? What is, yeah, the quali- what is the quality key? I mean, we talk about authenticity, but, but you know, email is kind of complex. Yeah, no, uh, data is the key. You know, and and it, you, when you talk to a marketer, the first thing they'll, they'll be volunteering is how bad the da- state of the database is. And there's no quick fix for that. I mean, ultimately, you can, you can clean up values that mm-hmm. degrade quickly, like revenue and employees and all these demographic right. uh, signals that we've traditionally gathered, but really the day-to-day engagement, like what, what, what's happening in your billing department with that customer and exposing that out to the marketer mm-hmm. or the sales individual, that's the type of information that we need. And that's hard information to curate. And, and honestly, I think until CRM becomes uh, a, you know, becomes table stakes in that process, it's, it's not something that where you have to pivot your chair from, the system that it takes to do your job into the system that records you right. doing your job until those become one, we're never going to get to a point where we can use a tool like marketing automation and say 100% every single one of my messages is on point, is on message. You know, people, this buyer should respond to that until we get our data in line. We're simply not able to do so. Interesting. I mean, but it's sort of, I mean, you obviously Marketo integrates somewhat seamlessly with, with Salesforce, but mm-hmm. you're really talking about going deeper, having your accounting systems, your ERP, ERP systems, whatever, that yep. has an impact with a customer, an interaction with a customer needs to be tracked and presented to the sales marketing people. Honestly, that's what I love most about some of these new tools. And we, are, we mentioned the one that I'm going to uh, dive into detail on, but just the ability to take the inbox. I mean, frankly, everyone says we need to get out of the inbox. We, we have Slack. We love Slack. But all my outside communication still resides in my inbox. So if I'm able to take that communication and make it visible to the rest of the organization so that they can say, oh, I, this, commu- this conversation between Justin and this prospect mm-hmm. went this way without me having to go in and log an activity or add that email to, to Salesforce, that's you know manna from heaven for me. So uh, until we get to that point where you have that 360-degree view, not only of the traditional data sources, but mm-hmm. all of these different data sources that have arisen, that's that, that's really the data I'm talking about getting after. Right. And so you alluded to the you know, application. Uh, so which one are you talking about? Engageo. Engageo. Okay. Yeah. I think tapping into core core systems and Salesforce Lightning is doing some of this as well, mm-hmm. just in blending that experience. Like I think LinkedIn's the, the biggest CRM in the world, right? Like I, I use LinkedIn. That's right. Yeah. Find, find the prospects, see what they're actually doing. They're going to self-curate their profile. It's awesome. But now I have to turn around and get those guys into CRM. Yeah, a month, a week later. Hey, who didn't? You know, who who had an email exchange with this person and didn't add it to Salesforce? Oh, you slap right. me on the wrist. I, how many times do you do that before you just kind of give up and say we need to combine these systems into one? Right. So I mean, engage you though is really sort of targeted for people that are doing more of the complex B two B sale, enterprise sale. Yep. So a lot of what we're seeing in terms of you know, for say bad practices from the marketing side and the sales side really are focused not as much on the enterprise as it is on the, you know, the small and mid-sized businesses. Sure. sure. So what's sort of the future for them? I mean, how do you see 
Yeah, I, I really do see, you know, SMBs as having a leg up. You know, I, I run an SMB very much on purpose just because I think you can you can pivot and you can change and you can mm-hmm. fix things that just a, a more agile in a more agile manner. So uh, when it comes to what can SMBs do, I think, number one, they can learn from the huge amount of, of resources that we're all creating and giving away for the sake of trying to penetrate the enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you Google anything. HubSpot probably has written a, a great article about how you can at least get a little bit into best practice around sales and marketing. I'm sure, they've written so, at least one. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, grab you know grab all of that information and learn from the mistakes of you know big companies that just can't pivot that quickly. And, and those enterprises are starting uh, to move more quickly as well. So I think we'll see that start to come in line uh, uh, in the same way that we see within smaller organizations. But Data is still the it's still the same challenge. Whether you're selling now, if that SMB is selling at a, at a lower ASP mm-hmm. and they've got a more transactional sales process, there's still better ways to gather that data. Whether it's you know tracking web behaviors, whether it's cart behaviors, you know all of those items need to be gathered somewhere in a way that we can make sense of and retarget or remarket uh, or engage with that customer. So same challenge, uh, maybe sure. different different systems involved, uh, probably a lower cost point, but really the same methodology. We're never going to stop wanting to know more about the customer and communicate that with them in, a, in, a, in an right. intelligent way. Okay. So the second word you talked about was, was tribe. And uh, you said your mission this year to transform people from self-aware, I'm so great mentality to inclusive, we're so great mindset, which I thought was very timely. I just did to finish talking to Robert Cialdini for the show, and he's talking about the his new book, Persuasion. I don't know if you've read it, but the, this whole concept of unity between mm-hmm. a buyer and a seller being so critical. And that's really, to my mind, that's what you really were talking about. Yeah, unity, I think, across whoever the players are within that conversation, right? right? Like, we, we have to build that. Tr- I think it really comes down to trust, right? Like, do you do you trust that the people around you are on the same mission that you're on, and, and so on? This is all based on. Um, you know, a, a methodology that everyone is in these five, you know, there are five different tribes in the world, right? Like the early tribes, your ones and your twos are like, the world is terrible. It's, it's people in prison, like bucket one, you, we, we don't normally deal with them on a daily basis, right? Mm-hmm. Bucket two is you're starting to get out of those like very, uh, uh, those constructs that keep you down and you're actually keeping yourself down. Threes, you know, you're graduating up that tier and, right. and the, the operable uh, uh, detail there is trust. So as you graduate from one bucket to another, you're able to look around and say, I, you know, these people are like me. We all, we all understand the same thing. We're all working towards the same goal. Incredibly difficult as you get up into those four and five level mm-hmm. tribes. So in your mind, from a marketing perspective in, in this type of environment, what are the keys to engendering that trust? Yeah, and, and again, that's why I love the whole ABM, ABE mm-hmm. message. And, and is it a buzzword? Yeah. Do we need buzzwords to get things communicated? Yes. Sure. So ultimately, we all need to take a step back. What is working? What's not working? And let, let, let's, let's expose those metrics to the organization, whether it's the marketing team or it's the company as a whole. Demand gen as a blanket strategy does not work strategy does, does not work. Uh, there are, you know, there's data that we have to look at and say, what we're doing as uh, a one-size-fits-all strategy right now is not yielding the result that we need. Mm-hmm. And buying, buying every technology is not yielding the result that we need. So mm-hmm. let's take a look at the data 
and let's together solve for this. What role is everyone going to play within that solution? And what are we going to measure that on and break? And let's go do that. So again, just those types of conversations traditionally happen in very small groups. And then there's a filter process. You go out to your team and Hey guys, this is the big metric because that's what I'm being measured on as your manager, and you're gonna you're gonna do this for me this quarter this year, whatever. Uh, instead, we're kind of opening up that communication circle and letting the, everyone be part of that process and that discussion from the very beginning. So one of the the key things with ABM, obviously, is sales marketing alignment. I mean, is is it time to sort of get rid of the distinction between sales and marketing in this type of environment? I mean, relook relook at the roles altogether. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to say yes. I mean, I, I, I mean, that's like a, a utopian uh, world right there. But you oh, know, sales in people, your mind, that'd be utopia. Yeah, well, I, I, it's an unattainable utopia, sure. probably not one that we ever want to maintain, right? Because salespeople are are a different breed, and I think you know when you deal with marketers all day long, as we do, there are very distinct traits between what a sales individual and a marketer are from their their makeup their their core now from a from a skills perspective absolutely i think that those two need to start cross pollinating mm. more we need to understand you know how to sniff out commitment as marketers and and what are we going to do so that we're not you know throwing bait in the water in mm-hmm. essence what are we actually going to do to ensure that there's a hook there and that we can reel someone in right. as necessary on this on the sales side we need to start creating content you know, you see this happening already like people individuals out there that are great sales people not just consultants and, mm-hmm. and speakers mm-hmm. and coaches as, as we've all done forever, but actual people in the chair in the role right. are starting to tell the stories of what's happening day to day as a way to engage their audience. Sure. You know, you've got folks out there just, you know, th- this is, uh, they've got this uh, SDR Chronicles thing that uh, this dude uh, named Morgan that works yep. over at Terminus does. Yep. It's awesome. Like you would never see that five years ago. Right. Like no SDR is ever going to be creating content five years ago for the sake of saying, I'm doing things different. You should as well. Let's talk about how we can do it differently together. Mm-hmm. That, that That's the type of progression I'm talking about in terms of just traits and, and skills being shared amongst those those departments. But right. we definitely need, you know, people who play more of a sales role, people who play a marketing role, customer success, all these different epicenters, but we need to kind of decentralize a lot of these traits that have become very siloed uh, historically within one department. Well but one of the other sort of I don't say artifact, but let's say outcomes of of really embracing A B E, A B M, whatever we're gonna call it. And I wish we'd settle on one. Um, <laughs> Probably will at some point. Here. Well, Trish Bertuzzi has ABR. I think I like that account-based revenue. Um, is is it really a much more of a team approach? Right to sales. Agreed. Agreed. So that's why I sort of asked the previous question because I've worked in organizations where we've sold large, complex, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of of systems, you know, at a time. <laughs> Where yeah, there was somebody in a sales role, but when we looked at how we how we organized, how we compensated people, and so on, it it changed because no one person was really driving the boat. Right. In terms of saying, yeah, this person was worth twenty percent more in the outcome than this person. No, it was a team team effort. Sure. It seems like that's sort of a logical outcome. What's happening with AB, ABM ABE? Well, I, I think as a byproduct of that type of thinking, you also get rid of a lot of wasted time that marketers spend on attribution, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, attribution in theory is awesome. I'm all for it. Right. In practice, very difficult to, to truly say that that attendance at a webinar accounted for 30% of that revenue that came right. across the line. So I think we spent a lot of operational time focusing on, yeah, it, it's, if you're looking at those metrics and you're saying, this is a 
this is a decent guide. Okay, great. We understand the types of activities that this individual engaged in. We know where they spent the most time uh, in that process, uh, learning and engaging with our teams. Great. Stop there. But if you're really trying to get down to, okay, I'm going to try and commission marketing 20% on this sale and sales 15%, you know, like that's, I think, a defeatist activity. So absolutely, mm-hmm. I think the more that we look at this from a team perspective, uh, the, the more time we'll spend on the actions that actually matter. So how do you deal with the attribution issue within your organization? So we use we do use an attribution tool on top of even Marketo's RCE, which we also use. So we mm-hmm. get to play with a lot of technology, mainly for the purposes of determining if a client really has that business need and they've said, hey, we, we want this report. Great that you guys are giving us advice, but we want to see this view. Then we have a best practice that we can provide to them. But um, from an attribution perspective for our actual deals, it's again, we use it as a, as a high-level guide. Like what are these types of accounts and these buyers participating in? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm not super interested in diving uh, deep into an assumptive basis around that data, saying right. that, hey, we need to scratch everything but webinars going forward. You know, right. it, it's, it's a blend. Anytime you see someone say, hey, I've got a hot lead, I talked to this guy to show, chances are someone in that organization has talked to that same company or that same person before. Um, and, you know, we've seen that happen for years and years and years. So I think systems are just starting to reflect what's truly going on within an organization. Okay. So last word you you'd had is process. Um, Talk about understanding the buyer's journey is that becomes a more complex task in a ABM type environment because you have so many influencers and stakeholders. Don't they necessarily each one have a their own distinct buyer's journey? Uh, I think they do, but when you're you, you, with ABM or E or R or whatever we're calling it, <laughs> like you're already whittling down the number of buying journeys that can happen in a huge manner based on what we've done in the past, you know, rather than driving 5,000 net new leads on a monthly basis and sure. worrying about where each of those individuals is at, I'm, I'm able to, to really consolidate that down. So yes, I don't think necessarily there are even, so we term those as buying committees and on that buying committee, each individual will have a role. Normally that will map to one or two people on our side of the house. And we need to understand what they need to mm-hmm. be fulfilled on in order to get that, mm-hmm. that purchase to the, to the end uh, goal. So some of those have full journeys. Some of them just have like an influential role on that deal, but it definitely gets, there's fewer surprises when you, when you take into account all of those uh, buying committee members, no longer do you run into great. Are we ready to, to get this deal done today? Uh, well, no, I've got to send this to a procurement guy in the UK and he's gone for the weekend and I, I don't even know, we haven't got, you've gone through legal on this yet. Mm-hmm. Like that, that happening in a deal should never happen in an ABE process. I agree. I agree. Well, I mean, any large account process, I mean, if you have a logical proven process, you should, should understand those and steps. And right? should understand that, right? Like, uh, the, well, I think the, that's the big change is that yeah. marketing needs to understand it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so what sort of your thoughts about what are the really sort of critical factors to enable sales and marketing alignment? You know, it's been a big topic. We've actually some of our more popular episodes have been on the on the topic, uh, and I think people are sort of looking for best practices about how to achieve that. Yeah, so I, I don't know that I'll have anything like groundbreakingly new because I think, fortunately enough, we're starting to get uh, you know more of a an understanding across the board on what ABE means. Mm-hmm. So you know starting with that list and agreeing upon that with really the entire organization. The, the, I think the conversation does need to come out of just sales and marketing uh, because truly I don't believe you can assemble that list without bringing in customer success and you know total lifetime value of the customer mm-hmm. and NPS and all these great 
SaaS metrics that, that have come about, whether you're in SaaS or, or you're just pirating and using some of them like we do mm-hmm. in a professional services org, we still right. want to know, well, how does this customer perform uh, over the, the, their lifetime journey? Are we attaching additional revenues? Are we making them happy? Uh, that's information we have to bring into to creating that account list. So that's that's where we start. And then mapping those, those buyer journeys and, and those buying committees out based upon that list that we agree upon. Um, that, I think... The, this middle portion here, we all know that we have different jobs to play. It's kind of like that football team analogy where mm-hmm. everyone's going out and they, they've got a, a job to do and, and something to perform. I think how we measure that and, and we fulfill that like primal need to understand from a management level mm-hmm. how, how all these different people are doing, uh, I think that's something that's, that uh, is really interesting that has not yet fully been defined at this point. And that's probably the area I'm most excited about uh, within ABM ER right. is, is simply <laughs> how do we measure that engagement? Right. You know, like you talk to the engage you have folks and they'll, they'll tell you that time is the measure. You know, your marketing automation systems are still relying mainly on uh, uh, behaviors and demographics and, and lead scoring and so on. I, I don't think we've seen the the true answer to that, because again, we're not capturing all of the data that we need to, uh, to score that engagement with. But from a managerial perspective, we don't have that trust in our teams yet to say, you understand your job, you're moving towards mm-hmm. it. Great. I'm sure everything's good. Um, so I think that's the area that, that ABE is, is probably weakest on right now and that we need to solve here in this next 12 months. Well, and the engagement really works out at multiple levels, right? Cause as you know, I've interviewed hundreds of, of sales leaders over the last year, and what they talk about is that, gosh, even once we we're working through, got people into our funnel, and and we're starting to interact with them, the big issue on the sales side is how to engage. Yeah. So we talk about that on a, on a marketing level. We talk about it on sales and the person to person level is is that is like the critical issue that hey, we may be able to get to the point where we can get on the phone and actually talk to someone, but at that point, how we engage with them isn't working very well. And there's a big education cycle there as well, right? Like typically sales had kind of one playbook and it was it was buyer journey mapped. You mm-hmm. know, and when you get an inquiry, here's the things you have to ask. Right. And then you can get them to the next stage and it's whole opportunity stage mentality, which is kind of the campaign mentality sure. in, in marketers. Right. Both those have to shift into more of this true playbook mentality. And when we talk about playbooks, there's a lot of different definitions floating right. around there as well. Um, Excuse me. I, I always point to, uh, I'm going to forget their their full name, but there's a another ABE software company out there, uh, Zen IQ, actually. I think, honestly, they have like the best way of representing plays to where like I'll take a prospect and be like, look, just get this concept down. You know, mm-hmm. play is micro. Um, it, it's something that, you know, oh, I see that so-and-so attended our webinar and they're a practitioner, so I want to add their boss to my database and I want to start mapping the buying committee. That's a play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it doesn't have to be these long, drawn-out, like, okay, great, I've got them in a sales cycle and there's 15 steps to this and it ends with a, a signature. Yeah, it's less they're, like a football play and more like a, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's kind of less of a game and more yeah. of an actual play, right? right you know, right. like you're going out there, you've got this one little thing that you have to do. You understand what it is. You understand what the outputs and the inputs are. And great, who's next? You know, mm-hmm. who can help? And then when you get stuck, who do I tap to mm-hmm. leverage? You know, maybe you don't go through those every time, but you've got kind of those stuck plays, like executive. Can you right. reach out and see if this guy will connect with you on LinkedIn? And hey, by the way, you actually have to send a compelling LinkedIn message and not just hit, you know, like connect <laughs> but, with me for, for no good reason, right? But that um, should be defined as a play. 
exactly. that they can exactly. they can access at any time. If they need this exactly. CEO to go in, hey, this is the play that we use. Here's the message, or at least the outline of a message. You may have to personalize it, but at least and it's there. And you have there. to bring that back into the system. And you bring right? it back like, into the system, right. Yep. We, we still have to measure things. We have to record that they happened. Uh, but I think this is a license to get a ton more creative with, with what we've been doing in the past. It's no longer, you know, invite, uh, registered, attended, follow up, engaged, you know, like th- those like very typical campaign mentalities mm-hmm. in marketing are kind of going out the, uh, out the window where marketing, a marketing campaign might not even be anything from an outbound perspective. It's simply, I need to process something at this point in time and I need to right. gather some data to enable my sales team. But would, and last question on this before I take a short break, but would that be true? Cause again, we sort of alluded to it earlier is, is would that be true for marketing to small businesses or small mid-sized businesses? Because again, you're not going to say devote similar yeah, resources you would for people. ABM to those, yep. those tier customers. So, so there you'll still have the campaign mentality or is there something new coming down the line to replace that even? I, I think it's honestly a blend, you know, like it depends on what your, your ARR is around that solution. If you're sure. dealing with a $20 a month solution, like a hey, volume and velocity is, is the way to go. But a lot of SMB solutions are in that like 500 to 1500 right. a a month uh, range. And, and that absolutely uh, requires a blend of these, these solutions. So, you know, maybe we've got fewer people on the buying committee, we're spending less time and that really should be your equation there. Based fewer, on fewer that, plays as well. Yeah, exactly. Based on that ASP, what can we afford to invest within this account? That's going to make the biggest impact mm-hmm. and then go do that. So okay. I think it's, it's about scaling that down in a really smart way. All right. So I've got some, we're going to finish the show off. I've got some standard questions. I ask all my guests and, uh, First one's a hypothetical scenario where you've just been hired as you, Justin, have to take a step down. You've just been hired as vice president of sales at a company of sales have stalled out. Time to hit to the reset button. CEO, the board, anxious to have this happen. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Number one, that's a promotion because I'm, my actual title is janitor right now. Oh, so okay. um, I'm taking a big step up here. But uh, in, in, so from a sales perspective, what are the biggest what are the biggest impact items that I can affect? Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, number one, we've got to take a look at, at how that, that start with the data. So what's how is our pipeline performing today? Who are we selling to? What's push? Like I always love to take a look at what's pushing. What's the actual sales cycle look like for these opportunities. Normally when you ask a, a sales team, oh, we've got a 60 or 120 day sales mm-hmm. cycle. When you look at how that uh, buyer is truly performing in the database, right. that cycle is always much larger. So number one, understanding the true sure. metrics around pipeline, everything from interest all the way to mm-hmm. uh, probably customer churn, you know, is really right. what I want to understand day one. Uh, and then secondarily, mapping that to the touch points that, that we're currently uh, uh, performing on that buyer. Mm-hmm. So trying to get an accurate representation of essentially what is our playbook today. Okay. So that's my, that, that's my first uh, option there. And then I love user testing. So really going around to each one of those departments and our existing customers that mm-hmm. we feel like are our best customers. Why do people buy? Why do they not buy from us? Right. On the customer side, what do you love about us? What do you hate about us? Mm-hmm. And map all of those responses to the cycle that we looked at from that data perspective. And more often than not, you see in, from the data represented what we see in the, the customer sentiment mm-hmm. and so on. Like, oh, we, you know, the customer feels like once we signed the contract, we didn't hear from these guys and uh, we churned off the platform six months later. Right. Well, right. what are we doing? In our, like sales completely det- detaches. We hand it over to customer success. Yes, right. They do a one-time training and then we hit them up 90 days before renewal. 
okay, what, what, you know, in an ABE process, what are we going to do to solve that from the sales perspective from the customer success perspective and, and just really assemble that team as it should be, as we talked about. Okay. Okay. So some rapid fire questions. You can give me one word okay. answers or elaborate if you wish. So the first one is, um, when you, Justin, are out selling your services, what's your most powerful sales attribute? I'm trying to, now, now you got me trying to think of one word answers. Um, I, I, I want to say like consulting or consultant. Like I, I don't normally take the role of sales in a, in a, in a deal. Normally it's, someone that wants to understand why we're different from our competitors. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the role that I play. Sure. You know, I'm, I'm able to tell a really concise story and this is not a rapid fire answer. And I just realized that, but um, <laughs> you know, not being in the, in the sales role is what I would yeah. say. Yeah. We just put you down for doesn't follow directions. Well, okay. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> that, that's why, that, that's why I have the job title. In. That's right. Um, so who's your, who's your role model in business? Uh, God, there's, it's, it really is cliche, but I, I, I love how Benioff has built Salesforce. Okay. If there's one book you could recommend that every salesperson read, what would it be? I'd still go with, uh, oh God, and I'm going to forget the name of my tribe book here. What is the name of this book? I've really forgotten it here, Andy. Seth Godin's book on tribes? Um, tribal leadership. Thank you. Tribal leadership. Who's the author? Oh, uh, let's look it up while we're while I'm making every answer way longer than it should be. That's no, good. Radio. So this is what this is where I've stolen the. Um, uh, actually, it's multiple folks okay. uh, writing this, but uh, uh, Dave Logan, John King, and and Haley Fisher write. Okay, we'll get it right on the show notes yeah. page. Perfect. Uh, last question for you: What music is on your playlist? I'll just say tool because it's the most, uh, it's normally the answer that people love to hear from me, but like, uh, they're one of my favorite bands. Okay. That works. Yeah. I was just interviewing someone who told me that in the previous 90 days, he had seen 40 concerts. That was it Jason Miller. No, no. It's no. just like, it's like 40 concerts. Like, Holy cow. That's, that's a lot of time. Yeah. We didn't have time to talk about all his music. So, well, good. Well, Justin, thank you very much for being on the show. Tell folks how they can find out more about the lead MD and connect with you. For sure. Yeah, so we give away more best practices than most uh, agencies have. That's my little plug. Uh, LeadMD.com forward slash marketplace. Everything that we produce is available through that uh, URL. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at jgraymatter, G-R-A-Y. And uh, LeadMD is at myleadmd on Twitter. Got it. All right. Well, again, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and friends, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make sure you join my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Justin Gray, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 